Hello and welcome to another episode of VR Download, a weekly show where we discuss VR and AR and MR and all the R's, but not the games. We, we talk about industry news, we talk about technology, we talk about updates to software. Yes. So anyway, hi, I am your host, Kyle, originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. I can say that with pride today in this episode. How y'all doing? Yeah, so over here to my left, who do I have? Hello, everyone. Ian Hamilton here. I have refused to put on the Super Bowl avatars. I refuse. I don't really? Know. I don't know why. I... <sighs> Hi. That's too bad. David Heaney here. I don't really 100% know what the Super Bowl is, but I hope you all <laughs> enjoy it, whatever the hell it is. It's Eurovision for America. Okay, I got it. I got it. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. First piece of news. Meta has a new supercomputer, can improve its VR and AR tracking. Meta claims its new AR supercomputer will be the fastest in the world. The company says RSC will create more accurate AI models for our existing services and enable completely new user experiences, especially in the metaverse. We normally obviously wouldn't cover supercomputer news, but Meta is claiming that this is going to be the fastest AI supercomputer in the world. And what do we mean by AI supercomputer? It's a cluster of thousands, 6,000 at the moment, and 16,000 by the end of the year. NVIDIA GPUs that are designed to allow them to train very advanced machine learning models. And so this can include models for things like the Oculus Quest, the Quest 2's tracking system. It can improve, it can include <laughs> the AR capabilities of their smartphone apps and future glasses products. So that would include something like the tracking model behind recognizing your guardian space, tracking your hands, reconstructing the world into pass-through. All of these basic features of Quest 2 are actually using machine learning models. And this is companies like Meta and Google, and those two companies specifically, because they, right now and for the past few years, have been the world leaders in the machine learning space, like to use this resource they have to infuse their products with better features. If you have any of the Pixel phones, you'll know that Google has added a bunch of different AI-based features to enhance the experience, even things like the fact that it can answer your phone calls for you and act as a kind of personal assistant. The, the question is, how will this affect the ability of smaller companies to compete if they have to use lesser infrastructure to train their models, if they have to rely on third-party companies to come in and help them, how does that affect how they can compete with headsets like Project Cambria coming out later this year? That's an open question. Ian and I, while you were talking, Heaney, Ian and I were giggling at your use of the O word. Yes, I realized just after, I was like, don't say that word. You <laughs> said no the O exists. word. We should get Oculus t-shirts in here, just to troll meta. I'll find a way to, if you get a completely black t-shirt, I'll superimpose an Oculus. Oh my God, that's it. so funny. That's a win. Even better. That's a huge win. That's so exciting. Even better. Yes, even better. Let's do Oculus. Let's. I have been to every Oculus Connect and I have all the t-shirts. I'll have to dig some of them out. I think my kids have started playing with them. We'll scan them and actually wear Oculus Connect t-shirts in the studio. That would be, that'd be brilliant. I wonder how long until you can just walk up to a mirror with your headset on and your T-shirt or your entire costume will just be instantly brought into your avatar. Mm. That doesn't seem technically impossible. It seems like something that could happen. Man, see, now you got me thinking about like 
with AR and I look at myself in the mirror with an AR headset on and I see my avatar, my, my self personal identity becomes my avatar. Ian, you and I are going to have to put tinfoil hats on our avatars and talk about the thing I was, the, the tangent I went on here was imagining speed dating in VR and how that's actually going to work. VR chat feels like it's the closest to being able to pull off dating in VR and which is just so scary to so many complications to think about but like that the the one-to-one interaction of a person presenting their best version of themselves possible to someone else who's showing the best version of themselves possible and you're having to do both of that in avatar form is I'm really curious to see how that's going to play out in the next couple of years yeah it's like tinder but even more fake (laughs) Oh man! There are people who have dated in VR chat, and I, I read an article at one point about people who actually ended up getting married after meeting in VR chat. Yeah. But that's happened in platforms in the past. That was actually a thing in Second Life. I think there's a documentary on Netflix about people who met on Second Life. So I think it'll obviously become more of a thing in future as VR social VR gets better and avatars get better. But it's it's not something that's new. I like how Second Life has like suddenly been flooding all of my feeds again. I don't know. I think metaverse. people are so skewed. There's so many opinions on what an actual metaverse is and whether or not, you know. I don't know. All right. So I, all I remember such is such a hard former, conversation to have. The former guy of Second Life, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, yeah, it's pretty forgettable. Me. He's pretty forgettable. Um, but like, just there was that high fidelity effort for years. And the thing that high fidelity did really was they got the audio and then. But they had really great audio, just like Horizon Worlds uh, has really great audio, and High Fidelity had that first. But like, I remember reading a blog post from the guy uh, that went from High Fidelity back to Second Life, and I just remember this just this blog post that's just there's not enough headsets, we're not there, and like <laughs> all these other things that are roadblocks to actually getting into a virtual space. And now he's back at Second Life. Yeah. I don't know. That whole journey is not the win I imagine it. And like it's been reported. Like I don't. Well, then there's Sansar. How does Second Life too. actually go to VR when they said five years ago we're not doing VR? Let's launch Sansar. And it just yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah, it just I don't understand. Yeah, Philip Rosedale's who you're talking about. Yeah, left left Second Life, went and started High Fidelity, but then Second Life did Sansar, but then he went back to and then. I felt like Sansar was all about trying to ma- ha- monetize social VR is what Sansar's ob- objective was, at least in my opinion. It was all, all about the monetization. That's what every metaverse. Uh, well, attack. not really. I don't think. I think places like VR chat, they're like, hey, let's create something cool and then figure out the money thing later. These guys were trying to do the money thing right off the bat. And it's just a completely different experience. I think the biggest problem with Sansar, though, is that they just didn't see the potential of mobile. And standalone yeah. and, and mobile VR was becoming a thing when they were launching Sansar, but they dismissed it and put all their bets on the PC VR. And, and if you're trying to build something social where you want to get as many headsets in as possible, that is just a critical, a arguably fatal mistake for any social product. And even, honestly, for many multiplayer games, if you were to make a multiplayer game that is just for PC VR, Right now, that's just not going to succeed unless it's excellent and you have almost everyone that yeah. is active on Steam VR using it regularly. Yeah. Bitey underscore says, guys, do you still have a Discord? 
I think the link from your article is expired. No, our Discord has been dis- disbanded. So it's it's disband, not Discord anymore. Yeah, we're not going to do Discord. Yeah, destroyed. Yeah, we just there's so many other ways to have communications and and interactions, and it was hard to moderate. It just it was getting unruly. Sorry, I know there were a few people that were really big into it, but it was just a lot. So I'm sure there's plenty of other discords out there. That link, yeah. We should definitely update the link. Yes, but thank you. Good point. See, now I just put something on Ian's agenda to do today. (laughs) So you just made work for Ian. Thank you, Bitey underscore. Yeah, this AI supercomputer, this is just because when Cambria comes up with the pass-through, that this will give this computer the opportunity to be able to fully get a full scan of everything that's happening in all of our houses and... uh, and be able to spy on us and and make 3D versions of us for the simulation that will be used to determine the next advertisement that I'll get on my Facebook feed. Ian, is is that basically what your thoughts are? Uh, You know, it's funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to launch like a swarm of drones that are going to go now. Yeah. I do. I am curious, like, when they, whenever they announce like a new supercomputer that they claim is the most powerful in the world, they don't do a very good job of describing like what's going to be possible with this new supercomputer that wasn't possible with the last one. And I really do wonder when we're going to have, I don't know, simulated, like when you're saying simulated AI, like I always wonder about black mirror type scenarios. Oh yeah. And of course that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. James says, uh, Kyle dad joke prediction model. Oh, bring it on. I'm ready ready for you. It's going to be like, it's going to be like uh, when Big Blue was on Jeopardy. What what was that, Heaney? I'm just saying I'm already training it with every episode. Are you? The dad joke prediction model. Oh, man. What is this for? Is that what this is? (laughs) See, you guys are just trying to replace me with a computer. That's that's a line from sci-fi. Or not, that's Game of Thrones. You just quoted Game of Thrones. Yeah. What, that you're going to replace me with a computer? I think you're watching the wrong Game <laughs> of Thrones there, buddy. Yeah, that's the... Sorry, I just spoiled Game of Thrones for people. It was pretty close. I don't know if you, I don't know if you did. I no, don't know if you close did. To, pretty close to the season finale. <laughs> that was a line in there. Yeah, I, I think you're talking about Blade Runner. Not sure, but okay. <laughs> Why do you think I came all this way? That's the line. Oh, uh, that's mm. the line. There you go. Ludicrous display. Okay, no, we're not getting back there. <sighs> All right. Why he finger wag? Yeah, I got finger. I get to finger wags right here. I'm telling you off, Meta. I'm telling you off, Google. I'm telling you off, Apple. Yeah, we got it. You got it. Good. And you got all that out of your system. Yeah. Just tell everybody off. Okay. Yeah. Wait until I'm the. Wait until I'm replaced with an AI before you tell me off. I don't want to hear it. I'll have my AI version of me do it. Maybe that's what it is. Mark Zuckerberg wants everybody to have avatars so that way everybody else can look like a robot like he does. Is there going to be like a policy internally at Meta like you can't fire employees when they're in their avatar form? You can only fire employees if they're actually represented as themselves? But see, you're establishing a new rule that if you get fired in VR, you get fired in real life. (laughs) I don't know if I like that. (laughs) 
I'm gonna, you know what? Next time I have to fire somebody, I'm gonna invite them into the studio. See, I shouldn't say this because then everybody's like, "Hey, uh, oh, Ian, I'll record it first in- person if you decide to fire me in VR." <laughs> yeah. See, there's all sorts of weird shit that's gonna happen. Oh man. Oh wow, this is gonna be weird. Oh, the future's gonna be weird. Speaking of the future being weird, let's move on. Unless we have more AI stuff, do we have any more AI stuff? No. Nope. Okay, we can move to the next story. All right, next story. Meta. It, normally, in this situation, I would create some sort of eulogy, and I'd have organ music playing, and you know, maybe bagpipes or something. Meta abandons Oculus branding on Twitter. Another nail in the coffin for the Oculus branding. Official Twitter accounts have now switched to Meta Quest handles, which has prompted Palmer Lucky to throw up on Facebook and I think in other areas the original Oculus logo, which I hadn't seen since I don't even I don't even know if I've ever seen it. I don't know, maybe saw it on the meant to be seen forums a gajillion years ago. But uh, yeah, it's so I'm a little I'm a little concerned though that they're still using the O. It's the old face of just being wowed by VR. That's I remember the designer who selected, who built that logo for Facebook was like, it represents a lot of things, that logo. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's always going to be Oculus. Everybody saw the Kevin Smith, or not Kevin Smith, Kevin James. Oh, wow. Sorry, Kevin Smith. Yeah. Kevin James was on, what, what was it? J- Jimmy Fallow? Jimmy Fallon and was saying the Oculus. Oh, my son got the Oculus and my son was doing the Oculus and the Oculus. And how many people do I know? Oh, I got an Oculus. I got an Oculus for Christmas. I got an Oculus for this. I got an Oculus. It's a brand. It is a brand that people have associated like Kleenex with facial tissue. Now I went online and I tried to find a, an example of a company who changed their name. And it worked, and it was successful for them. I looked all over the place. Remember Radio Shack became The Shack? Rest in peace, Radio Shack. Pizza Hut changed to, like, The Hut, and now they're back to Pizza Hut. Overstock.com went to O-Co, and now they're back to Overstock.com. I have looked everywhere for an example, some industry example, in any industry, anywhere where a company has changed its name and has been successful. And I was not able to find, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying I was not able to find one. So Ian, Heaney, do well, either like, of you have one? Like the Facebook versus Facebook? Yeah, but that is still the same. Okay, if they wanted to change it to Oculi because everybody has two of them, that would make more sense. But I, I, I don't know. It's funny. With this news, I went and looked up an article. I actually I went to this website. It's uh it's called Aculu.com. And I wrote a story about them a decade ago where this guy who represented this company, Aculu.com, was really mad that Oculus came around with one letter difference between their names. And like I, I went to that. a I went to a business conference and oh, there's Oculus. Oh, and then I, I looked at it closer and it was actually Aculu. And then I walked down a little bit further and there's Brendan Ereeb the CEO giving a big presentation with a room full of people. And like yeah. that, the guy that ran Aculu.com had to tell all of his friends, no, I didn't sell to Mark Zuckerberg for a billion, for billions of dollars. It's not my company. Just this, this very 
frustrating thing for this developer or this person. And I, I sent them an email over the weekend in regards to this news, just saying, hey, how does it feel to have outlasted Oculus? <laughs> and they, they sent back an email saying, we're no longer in business. We don't care. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with Guy's comment here. Guy Godin, the developer of Virtual Desktop. Hi, thanks for watching. The, the change from the Facebook to Facebook was so early in the company that it really didn't matter. There are examples of companies changing their name in that kind of early startup stage and even changing their entire direction. But this late and with this much kind of brand recognition, I can't think of one personally that has actually successfully been able to rebrand. Meta is obviously hoping that the connection between Meta and the Metaverse is enough and that the kind of news and PR they're able to generate as a company of their size and being so involved in everyone's life is going to work, but I don't think it will. Uh, During, oh, go ahead. Just my galaxy brain mind is going off on this like crazy and I, I can't avoid mentioning this. Heaney, you mentioned like the Oasis as like a potential name for Cambria. I'm still convinced Verse, while being very on the nose, would be a brilliant name to call Cambria Metaverse, and he, and you just Mark Zuckerberg would have branded a headset that is way better than Quest Two in every possible respect a year and a half before announcing it, and like everyone is already using the term by the time it actually ships. Like it would be a brilliant move, like no no other. And the only reason I bring this up is we are in Super Bowl week, and I've just spent the weekend reviewing the original. Uh, 1984 commercial from Apple and I found this like presentation from Steve Jobs where he's like talking about IBM back yeah, in the day yeah. and how dominant they were in that era of personal computing. I'm just throwing it out there that it feels like I wasn't born yet when all of that happened. But when I look back at the history books, I think 2022 is as comparable to 1984 and that period of the birth of personal computing as anything. And I, I would not be surprised to see Meta just throw so much at so much at getting everyone to use this new name. And what better time than the Super Bowl? Are you thinking? Uh, and you're wearing this. I don't know. I sent a question to Facebook this morning asking, yeah. hey, do you have any other plans for the Super Bowl? We'll see. Oh, oh, hey. I've been. I was talking with some folks online. I said I'm going to watch the AFC Championship game on in the Quest, and I was like, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to watch it in VR." But I would totally watch the Super Bowl in a Quest if they could present it in some sort of format where I'm sitting in a seat in 50 yard line. God, that, <laughs> if nobody's working on that, hi, please be doing that because that would be epic. I asked my smart device the other day how much a ticket to the Super Bowl would be because it's in LA. So it's just like a quick hour and a half flight down the, down the coast. Hey, a $4,000, $5,000. I would, I, I, there's no way that I'm not going by myself. I'm not going to take out a second loan on the house just to be able to go to the Super Bowl. That's absurd. But I don't know, so many things here to talk about. So you think Ian, that meta, it's going to call their next headset the Verse. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. It's too. It's too brilliant a name. It's too. The, the that, that, is too it's good. So cheesy. Key Godin is in our comments saying he thinks it'll be called Quest Pro, and the only reason we don't believe that here is because uh, is it Mark Zuckerberg or Bosworth actually is on record saying this isn't the next Quest. It's 
the wording was specifically saying we're not going to use the word quest with this, right, Heaney? Yeah, he said this isn't the next quest and it's not a quest. It's actually part of a new line. So Quest is one of their product lines. It seems to be the low-cost gaming headset. But this headset, just currently codenamed Project Cambria, is, is a new product line. So we're expecting it would have a different name, but I have no idea what the name is. But it's brilliant because you get everybody ready with Meta Quest, Meta Quest, Meta Quest. And now that the Quest, here comes the Verse. And so everybody wants to go buy the Meta verse they could come out with one called and i know this joke's been done already before but it's still funny they could come out with one called the musel or would that be a crappy thing to do no okay. no that was too painful i can't sorry i'm not okay after that one <laughs> yeah meta horizon i don't think they're gonna do that d 1360 vr 1360 I mean, that- if, if you go back and look at what facebook did they named their tracking system Insight. And it I remember being in the audience at their event and processing that name and like inside out. Insight. And it's insight like out. inside yes, out. And they did this work to rebrand a technology in a way that really makes sense to the end users. And it just like it. It does. It gives you insight about your surroundings. So it's it was a brilliant marketing move back when they announced it. And I'm just seeing nonstop brilliant marketing moves. By I think Butt or something has it the meta because that would be meta of meta to do. That sounds like a new age tongue twister. Man. I don't think the naming matters too much, I, but I do think no. it's notable that if you, a lot of people don't seem to remember this, but I remember that the reaction to them calling the quest was very bad. People said the quest was the stupidest name ever. And now three years later, four years later, nobody seems to care about that anymore. So I think regardless of what the name is, names, people thought the iPad was a really stupid name when it first came out in 2010. The name will stick, whatever it is within a few years. What really matters is what the product does, how it's priced and, the kind of content that's available for it. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to do... I I remember the Quest. When the Quest came out, everybody's like, a Quest, that's, that's, that's a terrible name. I'm just going to keep calling it the Oculus. All right. Gee yeah, after my heart here. Gee Godin after my heart here in the comments. Quote, on Twitter, they renamed to MetaQuest VR so they would have a different name than Quest. I wouldn't want to be responsible for marketing at Meta. Oh, my heart goes out to those marketing. Well, and I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. These are still people trying to figure out marketing in a well, yeah, in, a, in a an organization hard. that changes the platforms underneath them on the fly. Makes plans for platforms that are two years out, run by a different team over there, and yeah, it just I, it's got to be maddening to brand things three years out into the future if you're not at the right level inside that organization to actually make your changes happen. So my last piece on this personally is during my review of other companies that may have changed their name or their product design or anything like that and have been successful with it, I stumbled across uh, a situation where Tropicana, which is like one of the like the, if not the most well-known orange juice producer that I've ever seen. Okay, Tropicana, orange juice, changed their product packaging. And 
didn't change the name, didn't change the any of the they just changed the packaging to be a little bit smoother, sleeker, a little bit more minimalist type of look and not the big orange with the straw sticking in it and you know, IP yellow poly stock and all of that crap. No, and they they stuck it on the shelf and sales went down because people didn't have that brand recognition. They didn't know it was Tropicana, so they didn't buy it. They, they were looking for Tropicana, they didn't see it. So they went for a brand that they've seen before and another brand started getting all their sales. They switched back. That lasted all of two years or something. So I'm thinking that the Oculus brand isn't dead yet. I'm not dead yet. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible that it returns in the future in some different form. I heard someone suggest it could be, for example, what they call their cloud streaming platform in a few years, because they'll have to have a name for that if they want to ever bring PC VR level content to Quest. I think Guy's point is a good one. How do you then release a different product line when you've now just changed your kind of VR division's Twitter and social handles to MetaQuest? Though I think the potential answer there is that Cambria will be priced high enough that it will have a small enough user base that it won't really be what they're marketing. It'll be something that businesses and professionals that already know what the product will buy. And it's not something that at this stage they really think normal people are going to go out and purchase a, for example, a $1,000 headset if it ends up being that pricing. But uh, to answer the question here that says, do we really think it's going to come out this year? Yes, they've announced that it will come out this year. They confirmed that as recently as December. Obviously, there could be some sort of last-minute delay, but companies of the scale of Meta rarely would announce a hardware product is coming out in a year and miss that. It's fairly rare for a company to make that kind of definitive announcement in December just before the year starts and miss the entire year. Oculus, we miss you. So I put a question to Palmer Lucky because I wanted to know what he thought of this. He's the former founder of Oculus, the, the person who helped invent, basically invented the Rift in a trailer, and then co-founded Oculus, and the rest is history. I wanted to know if Mark Zuckerberg was willing to sell the Oculus name back to you without any conditions. Would you buy it? And the response was, quote, I am almost certainly too poor. Yeah, if you get into the drone hobby area, it's it, it's a, it's a money suck. It can take <laughs> some, it can eat up a lot of your, your extraneous fundage. So I would imagine that Palmer is probably three weeks away from government cheese. Obviously, I'm kidding here, but well, yeah, I think the more serious point there is that Oculus would be an incredibly valuable brand, and for another company to purchase it would actually cost likely billions because we're talking about a brand that is recognized so much that, as you pointed out, a celebrity name dropped it on a late night show and that kind of thing continues to happen. People know the Oculus to the point where any VR headset, a lot of average people will just say, oh, is that an Oculus? So it is, it, it again, reinforces how incredibly risky, to say the least, and you know, some people would say stupid, it is for Meta just to completely drop this well-known brand. So the reason I, I went to that question to Paul Merlucky, because that Selling it back to like them, as absurd as it is and expensive and unlikely as it is, was only one one avenue to resuscitate this brand that has a lot of love in the community. But the other way that I was 
asking about or wondering about is, can you open source any additional things from the early development of Oculus and attach that to the Oculus brand? And we're open sourcing the Oculus stuff. Hold on. I'm sorry. I, I, I wouldn't normally do this, but Daniel Lingard Leaper says Liam Gallagher said Oculus the other day, too. I'm assuming it was an Oasis reference. Is that Oasis, the band Oasis? If I have to explain it, it's not funny, people. I'm sorry. Oasis, ah, never mind. You don't know who Liam Gallagher is. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Although, to, to, Eeny, you know, Eeny, to all your points Eeny. about the O, yeah. right? Oasis, yeah. that makes sense. Uh-oh. Keep that alive. That's funny. Okay. Yeah. Oh, O'Reilly? No, that's an auto parts place. See, uh, the, the O, the, it's it's not even an O. It's more like a zero on the side. Like, I, I've seen a lot of things. Like, it's funny. I used to see this shape everywhere. Like, I have a, I have a, I have a wine bottle opener that has this on top of it. And I'm like, look, it's the Oculus uh, wine uh, corkscrew. And it, it, I, it, it is... How can they keep this and not have the brand be an Oculus, like an O name? Oh, you pick another O name. It's just a symbol at this point. It doesn't have to be O. There's a lot of symbols that look like letters in a lot of global brands. I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, this this looks like an O, but the company doesn't start with O. I'm not going to buy this product. It doesn't seem to be a major issue. So the thing I want to get across that, like why I was asking Paul Merlucky about these questions is if you put... Everything that's happening here on a scale of multi-decades, right? Like comparing, that's why I started off this talking about that original PC revolution. This rebranding actually has an effect on how history is going to remember the individuals who took part in making this technology. So if we assume some things like Meta is going to be major maybe a leader in spatial computing over the next 15 years, there's going to be books and and things written about this period. And Mark Zuckerberg is the one who came out on stage in, I think it was 2018, and announced that Quest would be $400 and actually used the word. He saved that moment for himself to name the Quest himself and to be the face that everyone saw announce the name Quest. By making this company meta and going out and doing that again, announcing all of these changes himself, he is branding himself into history books as the person making this happen. And Palmer Lucky, not so much. Who? Yeah. Oh, that Palmer Lucky. Okay. It's time. Uh, it might be time for the uh, one of the documentarians out there. Give us a call here to upload. We'd like to talk to you about getting together and doing a documentary series on the beginnings of VR. So that way some of the history makers don't get forgotten. And there is the book, The History of the Future, which I assume will be made into a movie someday. I think it's very unlikely that Within the next eh, 10 years, that will eh, get made into eh, some sort of I don't, I don't think we should wait for that. I think we should do a full-on documentary series. Let me get Ken Burns on the line right now. Let's do this.
So I don't think that book, okay, it was a good book, but it wasn't complete. There yeah, was a lot was, of stuff that still needed to be, it needs to be Lord of the Rings. It needs to be like 21 and a half hour long extended uncut version. Like it's a good book. It's great. But it's like the Reader's Digest version of the true story of everything that was going on. And it only focuses on, it doesn't focus on the community enough, I don't think. I think there was a lot of other stuff that was going on. Maybe a sequel would be nice to the book. Yeah, I don't, I don't think know. it was a comprehensive history of the VR community. Yeah. It was more just right. like the rise of this particular startup to being acquired by one of the biggest companies in the world and how its finder was outed, which is, yeah. I think, a more if you're talking about something being made into a movie, that's going to be a much more interesting story than focusing on the VR community, though I guess you're right to say there's a place for documentaries to cover there is. the members of the community that really built this industry. And in many ways, they are forgotten, but a lot of the early pioneers from 2013, 2014 are successful developers today. For example, Guy Godin in our comments, he was around since then. He's one of those people that kind of built this industry by making a tool that would have let you see your a PC monitor in VR and interact with it in a practical, useful way. And today yeah. he's successful on Quest. Chris Richardson is bringing Jerry Ellsworth into the conversation. Mm. And uh, that's a perfect example of someone who probably has more story to tell. I saw a three hour Netflix documentary on ketchup. They can spend a couple bucks and make some VR early times documentary stuff. So, you know what I mean? I'll even offer to narrate it. <laughs> to Jerry Ellsworth's point there about it being one-sided, like I, I think that was the thing that I missed in the history of the future. So Blake Harris, if, you, if you're watching this video and see me talking about your book, reach out to me. We'll talk about it. There are so many perspectives in the VR industry and the formation of it. And going back to there was there's been i've been trying to get comments out of these people for years now to go on the record and say things about various things and just so much of this history vr was in such a fragile state that a lot of these people didn't want to say anything that could make the space seem i don't know too fighty like a, a place that's bad for business and so it's, it was actually in Valve's interest for many years to step away and say no comment and just keep doing what they're doing. And there's Sony and all these other players that had such a fundamental role in making all of this happen. And um, those people are still like, they're taking other jobs. They've got all sorts of opinions that are private to them and they want to keep their jobs going for another 20 years. So why go out and say something bad about how someone wronged you half a decade ago? Well, these stories will come out over time and we will get all those perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's all sorts of fun, tropey quotes you can say about history and the people who make it and the people who write it and all that stuff. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, okay. So do we talk about this? Chris, I yeah. will try to get Jerry in an interview. I have wanted to get Jerry into the studio, but her quest is, I don't know, she had, she's not interested in VR. So I, I'm not going to get her into the studio anytime soon, and I have to figure out how to do like a Discord call or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jerry's a good conversation. It's a good person to get involved. All right. 
Are we ready for this last topic of conversation? Because it, it's super awesome. As a matter of fact, here, hold on. I'm going to see if it works. I'm going to hold my hands out, and an elephant is going to appear. Go ahead. Push the button, Heaney. Make the elephant appear. Put, can you push the button? No. <laughs> huh. The elephant is n- still not appearing in my hand. Huh. Okay. Anyway, this last piece of news here. Magic Leap 2 specs suggested best in class AR. Uh, Magic Leap 2 is coming later this year with the widest field of view transparent optics yet. The first specs were revealed this week. I I have one comment that I'm going to make about this, but I'm going to wait until we get into the conversation. So I don't know. Heaney, you specced it all out and did the FOV and all that stuff that people always ask first. So lay it on us. Yeah, so I agree with you. We should definitely start with the field of view, and I'll just bring up a diagram here that compares it to HoloLens 2. As you can see, what they've decided to focus on is making the field of view taller so that when you're looking at an object, say a person-sized object, it won't be cut off and you won't have to look up and down. But because of this limited field of view compared to something like a VR headset, which you can see in this diagram, you're still going to have to look side to side to see objects or make sure that they're further away. But they are claiming that this will be the widest, or should I say the kind of the most expansive field of view of any transparent optics. But as we all know, there are, there's another way to do augmented reality, which is to use an opaque headset similar to a VR headset with high quality color cameras on the front to pass through the real world. And that means you get the advantages of the wider field of view that is available in virtual reality headsets. But obviously, that's not practical for situations where you need to be able to see other people's eyes or in safety critical situations where if the headset turns off, an AR headset turns off and you just see real life, a pass-through headset turns off and you're stuck in blackness. You see nothing and you have to take it off. So there are situations where a transparent headset is still going to be more practical. But what I think the really interesting spec of this headset is they have this new feature they're calling dynamic dimming. And they say that they can vary the opacity of the display, the the amount of light that it lets through, all the way from 22% down to 0.3%. So if you're out there in a really bright day outdoors and you need to see the holograms, and a lot of these headsets like HoloLens, Unreal, the virtual objects will be very washed out because the real world light is going to be dominant because it's just so bright outside compared to any display that's used in any consumer electronics today. The sun is orders of magnitude brighter. What they say they can do is bring the amount of light that the optic lets through all the way down to 0.3%. And so the holograms, the virtual objects, whatever you want to call them, will be far more opaque. And they say that they could do this dynamically by the developer. So if you're trying to be shown a interface that uses the color black, An AR headset with a see-through display can't actually show black because black is the absence of light. And how these headsets work is that they add light onto a transparent lens. But if they bring down the opacity, sorry, they increase the opacity of the lens, they can make darker objects look more solid and not be translucent. So there's a lot of interesting specs in this headset. We haven't heard the resolution yet. We know that the compute box will be twice as powerful that attaches down, and that's magically special sauce, is they don't put any of the computing hardware in the headset itself. It's in a little box that clips down to your waist. But we're still waiting to hear what is the price and what is the exact release date, because all we've heard so far is that it's coming this year. 
Do you, do you have comments, Ian? Yeah, I'll, I'll let you jump in first. Yeah, it's just going to add here, I guess, a couple things. The vertical field of view is the thing that Meta has, on the record, said that they think could be improved. It may be the higher priority uh, rather than widening the field of view horizontally, lengthening it vertically. We'll get the roof and the floor potentially more into augmentation or virtual content if you're able to improve it vertically and if a person comes close to you're able to see more of their avatar in space with you and then i also have microsoft on the record i remember talking to them with the original hololens and alex kipman the reason they call those devices mixed reality he, he was specifically on the record saying, you know, one day we will have optics that go from fully transparent to fully opaque. And he was pretty uh, clear on that. But it's like, Heaney, other than like the, the lenses that we have in just normal sunglasses that do go from just clear to very, very uh, opaque, is... I'm trying to grasp whether there's a technical breakthrough needed to make that what cheaper, like what is holding that back from being more common? The dynamic dimming feature. Yeah. We haven't seen it put in a headset because how we actually haven't even heard how this works yet. We need to learn how this works. This was only a very basic spec presentation given at an AR conference in San Francisco, but we need to know how their lens varying technology works. It may have a lot of costs in terms of the bulk. It may be just downright expensive. Remember, Magic Leap 1 was $2,300. So Magic Leap 2 can be in that sort of price range or even higher because you have to remember Magic Leap 1 launched as a consumer product and it was only a year later after reports of very disappointing sales that they decided to pivot to enterprise. So now Magic Leap 2 is being designed as an enterprise first product they're not thinking about consumer pricing anymore. This thing could be three, four, five thousand dollars and still be appealing to the specific markets that they're looking to appeal to. But Hini, uh, the other question I had for you, and I brought this up when we were drafting the article and wondering whether it should be an addition. There is, when we talk about field of view, there's a, a, just a gigantic range between about 55 degrees and the 110 degrees that or or 100 degrees that we enjoy with current state VR. And if this my my question is if this dimming feature works in a darkly lit room, will it provide an impressive VR experience? So it can provide a VR experience. It's not going to be you're not bringing it down to 0%, so there is a little bit of light still getting through. But theoretically, if they were able to get that down to 0%, or if they do what Enreal does and just let you clip on kind of blinders to the front of the headset, yes, these headsets can provide a VR experience. But a good VR experience? No, because it's a small fraction of the field of view of a VR headset. It's A VR headset can be much better at being an AR headset than a see-through AR headset can be a VR headset simply because of that field of view. And we've yet to see anyone from the AR space really cracked wide field of view other than Kura who claims to have uh, claims to have broken it but I tried to get a demo with him at CES and I got no response and I know of other Ew. kind of VR but, reporters and influencers who tried to see him and they also got no response so we don't but, actually know if that's a real technology yet 
But Heaney, I guess the, the critical question, isn't there some research that somewhere around the 70 degree field of view mark is where people start feeling presence? 80 degrees, yes. We the, at this Back in around 2014, Michael Abrash, who was Valve's chief VR person that then moved to Facebook as their chief scientist, he claims that around 80 degrees field of view is where you get the 80 degrees wide is where you get the feeling of presence. And this thing is only 45 degrees wide. So Magic Leap 2 has done a lot of work to improve their vertical field of view, but their horizontal field of view is still very limited compared to a virtual reality headset. To be fair, I don't know how many times this has actually ever been said, but Michael Abrash could be wrong. It, it's sure. it, it, measuring somebody's perception of presence is anomalous. No, there's well, you, you got to read the research papers. There's research papers there uh, out there that have like done things, stacked up all the different features of VR headsets, and then scaled them according to which ones affect your feeling of presence the most. So if you want to improve a VR experience for people, you improve the tracking first and foremost. That's going to be the biggest, one of the biggest effects, right? Yeah, and you have to remember Abrash's job at Valve for a lot of the time and at Facebook for the early years was literally perceptual science. He was taking as many people as possible and doing research. But he could be wrong. But he could be sure. wrong. I'm going to do sure. my own research. No. I'm going to do my own research on the internet. I'm sure YouTube has a video that shows. Oh, my gosh, Kyle. Oh, this, that's the worst. Am I going no, too far? All right. The one thing, I, the, the, the context I'll add there is the one, what's the guy that runs their computer display? Doug, Douglas Landman? D- Douglas Landman, yes. Yeah, so that's their like chief computational display research person. And I've heard this person speak at conference after conference. And one of the things they keep exploring is, is it possible to make displays, VR displays, that are better than the ones we have today, but don't require eye tracking? And it feels like that has been a central question over there at Meta and Facebook for years, is to identify specifically what technologies are necessary to have in our next generation of VR displays. I'm convinced that there's large groups over at Meta ticking off those boxes one by one, figuring out exactly what technologies are needed to move it forward. Yeah, that's likely what we're seeing at all the big players right now. Magic Leap 2, they've said that they've actually gone from, they've done the opposite. They've gone from having one eye tracking camera per eye in Magic Leap 1 to having two per eye. And they say, that higher fidelity eye tracking means that they can do much more advanced foveated rendering. And so the fact that they're going to have a compute box down on your waist, which is high-end laptop power or maybe mid-range laptop power, depending on what they're able to pull off there, and foveated rendering means that they're going to be able to do some very high fidelity virtual objects. And they also say that they can help with the display itself. They say, for example, you could do the dynamic dimming combined with eye tracking so that when you look at a dark object that needs to have less real-world light coming through to, to look not translucent to you, they can dim the display much more. And then when you look over to a bright object that you want to see more of the real world and it doesn't really, it's not going to look translucent, they can bring in more real light. So there's a lot of interesting things that eye tracking can do. We know that the HoloLens heavily relies on eye tracking for a lot of it as well. 
it seems unlikely that we're not going to see all of these next generation headsets have eye tracking considering PlayStation VR 2 has it announced, Meta's Cambria has it announced, all of the rumors say that Apple will have it, and it would I'd be very surprised if Google's headset doesn't also have it. So there's a need for new technologies to lighten and dim different parts of the screen in order for the pass-through AR technology to do its magic. See-through. See-through. See-through AR. I said pass-through. I meant see-through. But the pass-through AR, like links, I noticed that you had the links as the, the big circle around. You don't have to change it back, but that's fine. The links actually is providing what I believe to be that's that is the most exciting version of AR that's coming to the market, in my opinion. Like, screw all the rest of the stuff that's coming out right now. Links is the one that I'm the most excited about in AR because I have seen pass through surprise me, and that was five years ago. So, uh, pass through AR is, in my opinion, going to supersede. It's going to be better than anything that Hololens or Magic Leap or anybody else can come out with. See through AR. Yeah, but I think the some of the things that we're we're talking about here point to the fact that like these, if you have a pass through VR headset, it's very unlikely you're going to use it outside for one of the features Heaney just mentioned. If the headset dies, you're blinded. Right. If you run out of power, you're blinded, and you really can't have that out in the real world, can you? So, like, right. there especially is only when it's one soldered to your head, time. you can take it off. I I put on Facebook sunglasses today to go out into the real world, simply because it they functioned as sunglasses and not as like they need to function when not in use, hmm. not powered. Yeah, there are going to be safety critical situations like that where you just can't have a pass-through headset. But the question is, how how big really are those use cases and how much of Magic Leap and HoloLens's market is going to be eaten up by these pass-through headsets? Because right now, today, there really isn't a pass-through headset with color cameras on the market. You just have Quest 2 with its black and white cameras. But very soon, we're going to see Lynx launch then we're going to see meta's project cambria launch both of these with this kind of field of view and pass through color cameras and then the rumor suggests that the year after that we'll see apple come through with a very similar headset in the sense that it uses color cameras to bring the real world through to opaque display and then the year after that we're supposed to see google come in with the same thing so it really looks like only microsoft and magic leap are left in this market and they're launching because of the complexity of these transparent displays, they're launching two, three, four thousand dollar products. Whereas Lynx is going to come in at five hundred dollars, and Cambria may come in somewhere around a thousand dollars. And the question is, just how much of a market is Microsoft and Magic Leap going to have left after this comes in? Will it only be those safety critical situations, or are there other use cases where the transparent display is really necessary? So Chris Richardson is saying. Uh, that Tilt 5 is something that, that me and my raised shoulder isn't considering. That's not true. I love Tilt 5. I love their tech. I love their headset. I, I, I have used it. I, I love everything that Tilt 5 is doing. The limitation to Tilt 5 is that it requires retroreflective material. Now, if you can convince the entire world to cover every 
or make mm. every wall, every every table, every everything be covered in retro reflective material. Tilt five could easily be a contender at that point, but it's going to be awesome when you're sitting in front of a table with all of your friends and you're sitting around, and you're playing a game. And I sit around quite frequently with all of my, my, my wife and my kids and we play board games. We play board games all of the time and you know how much fun it would be to have it happen like this. I want some of the old classics. Monopoly and the game of life and sorry, or as they say in Canada, it's sorry. I want those games to be able to be played with my kids here because I could see myself sitting down and playing a really interactive version of a board game with Tilt Five, but I'm not going to wear it out and walk down the road. Do and it, it, there's limitations to this. Yeah. The roadblocks to Tilt 5 aren't necessarily like what you're describing. Yeah, I get the take it out into the real world thing, but like the fact that you have to have uh, four computing devices, four pucks or PCs to control each of the four glasses of the four people sitting there. And, you know, that's right. infrastructure Tilt 5 doesn't have. They have to co opt the existing infrastructure. And that's going to be a huge roadblock for them over the long term. Apple, if you know, Apple has all those computing pucks and they're not going to be ready with their AR glasses for a couple of years now. Why wouldn't they purchase something like Tilt 5 to fill in the gap between between now and then? Because I guess my point, Kyle, is like everything you just described, like eating the entire board games industry, that solves like you know, that helps Apple in a way that it fails. Like uh, these, I, 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 this is something I keep, I'm going to keep coming back to again and again, but. These companies out there really are going to be looking at eating large segments of the physical world and transforming it into other things in the next couple of decades. And like eating all the board games would yep. would be a good use. Yep. Next thing, Milton Bradley and, and uh, is being bought by Meta is just not something I think I'd ever see in a headline. But who knows? We'll see. Where the transparent optics become important is, as you say, when you want to walk down the street, when you have a glasses that you're trying to sell to consumers. But the problem is Magic Leap and HoloLens aren't selling to regular customers that are going to walk down the street. They're selling to businesses that are going to use these in factories or in kind of very specific situations that relates to training. It really just, the question is, why would they buy that product if a better product is available that uses pass-through? When it comes to Tilt 5, I agree that it's an excellent product, but the, the open question there is, can they bring down the cost? Because right now, if you want to do that situation of four family members playing this board yeah. game, the last I checked, it's $800. That's not the kind of price point that people are going to buy for a family board game experience. It needs to be something like a quarter of that at most to really be a, a widespread product. I don't know what the expensive components are in Tilt 5. I don't know if it's just a matter of building out the enthusiast audience first and then getting it up to a, a bigger scale to bring down the cost. But yeah. if they can't do that, then Apple doesn't want to sell an $800 board game. And I won't even flip the bill for electronic banking monopoly. So yeah, you're right. I don't want to do that. That's but like, Heaney, I think this goes to some of the questions we've got in our comments where it's like, 
Apple has chosen, as far as we can tell, the standalone approach. And they, as far as we understand, they rejected the you need a nearby computing box approach to doing uh, VR, AR of any kind. But I guess my point, Heaney, is couldn't they achieve, couldn't Apple achieve a $100 pair of glasses with this retro reflective board and the rest is all handled by your iPhone? Yeah. They could, but I don't think the cost of Lynx is, or sorry, of Tilt 5 is the compute. And it, again, it's just, what is the mass market for that product? It doesn't, it's just such a, a specific niche technology that it doesn't seem like something Apple would be interested in. But I, again, I hope Tilt 5 succeeds. I hope they're able to bring down the cost because there is a place for this in the market, but it, it's not a mainstream mass market product. It's an enthusiast niche product. And there's nothing wrong with that for a company like Tilt 5, but it's not something we're going to see from a big company like Apple. Ian, your comment of couldn't Facebook or sorry, Meta just come out with a retroreflective glasses for a hundred bucks and have your Apple. phone do all the work. J- J- Jerry Ellsworth just sat up in whatever chair she's in and went, oh, Ian, no, don't say that. Because honestly, you're right. And it pains me and I'm sorry, but they could. And then the FTC would be. Mark, you got to stop doing this, bro. I don't know if if that's worth the trouble that would cause. Mm. Is yeah, to start I, producing. I, I, I the think thing it would that be, you're compet- I don't know. I if I think if I texted Jerry Ellsworth, sent her a message, and asked, "What is the likelihood you would sell to Mark Zuckerberg?" Say negative number. I bet. Yeah, I, I, that'd be yeah. my guess. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but that would be my guess. Put and negative then, course, and then the meta symbol. Negative. <laughs> I, I saw a a super chat from Dream is Great. It says, best trio ever. Keep up the good work. Lots of love. Thank you very much. We appreciate your support and kind words. Before we started this episode, I said to myself, what, what, do I, what comments do I have? The Magic Leap 2. And I saw some of that little presentation that they did uh, of where they presented this in the specs of this. I saw some slideshow little snippets. And on one of the slides, it said that this device has more than 18 sensors. And I went, wow, more than 18. So what? 19? 20? It's not like it's a thousand. And it was like, oh, it's like actually a thousand and fourteen. No. It's 18. If it has more than 18, then just tell us how many it has. Why use that description for a device like this? Am I wrong in thinking that's absurd? I, mean, I, I remember being on a call with Nate Mitchell, one of the Oculus founders, and like debating with him the terminology that they use for the Oculus sensors are the Oculus sensors that you used to have to put up around your room and they're USB connected to your PC. Are those sensors or are those cameras? And there's a well, debate uh, internally at you know Facebook whether you know how to call those things over time. Camera he's got is a thought. sensor, right? A camera is a sensor by definition, right? It uses an L- either a CMOS or some other type yeah. of it, sensor to it's just capture. Too- 
do call I, I think, a temperature or a an altitude. Do do go and list off every one of those little pieces of hardware you have in your glasses? I don't know. So when they're talking about 18 sensors, yeah, they're including things like the accelerometer, the gyroscope, the proximity sensor between your eyes, all of those little things that you don't really consider a sensor. But to come back on your point about as a camera sensor, a lot of the problem here is that in the computer vision field, you know, the machine learning field of computer vision, a camera is referred to as a sensor. In a lot of kind of technical fields, a camera is just another kind of sensor because what we call as regular people, a camera is just an RGB sensor, a sensor that produces mm -hmm. red, green, and blue color. So I don't think it really matters what they call it, but in the context of this headset, I believe what they mean by that is that there are nine cameras. There are four eye tracking cameras, two for each eye, two, four... <laughs> external cameras to do reconstruction simultaneous location and mapping like the all inside out tracking headsets do to get the headset position then there is a color camera a high resolution color camera which is solely for the purpose of taking pictures of your surroundings or if you want to record a screen cap of what you're doing the perspective of your first person is recorded by that camera and i think that is those cameras are the ones that you can see in the very center Whereas on the edge, you can't really see it in this image, but on the edge, you can see some of the tracking cameras. So yeah, they're, I, I, it's one of those kind of fancy specs to say, oh, we have 18 sensors, but to be fair to them, this thing does have a lot of cameras in it. And it's another reason right, it'll but, probably end up being $3,000 or more. But I guess I guess my, my, my gripe with the way it was produced was that it's like more than 18. Is 18's not a number you say more than. Like, <laughs> It's a yeah. number where you give the specific number of sensors. Like more than 18 is not the same as saying more than a thousand. Okay. You always get it, funny results when marketing people are asked to come up with good lines for technology right. products you know, right. all across the industry and especially in startups and especially in a lot of China based companies. You see these ridiculous sentences that are obviously someone in marketing who has no idea about the technology is just trying to no. find what is the flashiest, most appealing sentence I can come up with out of this nerdy tech sheet and. That's Let's get Nima get. in here and just go through each one of those CES uh, metaverse usages. Yeah, absolutely. It's marketing is just so fun. We've already talked. We've talked about marketing twice in this show, actually, because we talked about Oculus, Meta, killing Oculus. I was trying to wipe tears off of my avatar's eyes, and for some reason, my Meta headset won't allow me to wipe the tears away as I cry about Oculus. That's profound. Yeah, we've talked about marketing. Marketing is hard. Marketing is very difficult. It's, it's just not something that a lot of these tech companies do. I was on a website today just trying to pay a bill. And I was like, wow, this website is is like, there's like, this website is more dangerous than a virus because of the way that it operates. I'm trying to put in a credit card number and pay a bill and I hit tab and the tab actually took me to a field in a form underneath the pop-up field that I was already in. And I was like, oh, cringe. I can't believe I'm actually putting my credit card information into this site. But I have to. I don't know. I don't know. Is this all going to get better someday? Are we going to see you know, better marketing? And It's funny. Like The thing I, I fight against there, Kyle, is it really feels like the tech companies are doing like an end game run right now 
over every aspect of our lives. And things like passwords and bill paying, credit cards, we're going to be in plenty of people are now in debt to their consumer electronics companies or some creditor who's operating on behalf of some consumer electronics company. That's a weird switch in, I don't know, society to start like just having your credit card be from the company that also manages every message you send and receive and all those things. Like it's an end game run over every aspect of your life. And it's got so many different pieces to it and they're all going to be marketed for us, wrapped into nice little marketing packages and, and fed to us. You have been watching that J Steve Jobs 1984. I hear it. I hear it in your voice. <laughs> yeah, man. This is, I, we've been building in a slow pace towards this year, right? Like Meta mm -hmm. was out there on its own with Quest in 2019, 2020, 21. And now we're just, we're getting the real fire here that others are like, time is right. These products are good enough. Let's do it. And it's in addition to all of these other things. I don't know. It's a weird it's a weird time to realize how deeply into our lives all of these companies have entrenched themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. No, this, this conversation. So I'm hoping that everybody in the chat, and I guess those of you who are listening in podcast land as well, hello, we, we don't forget about you. We just know that you're not listening to it live. I hope y'all take some time to drop us a line and let us know what type of comments and reviews of our conversations because we do enjoy doing this for all of you out there in the meta in the i don't want to say in the no, metaverse do i'm do not going to do it don't. upload land oh no that's better that's it's better to brand it ourselves than to use their branding but it's still we shouldn't brand it ourselves either but the oh, second going vr upload no up second upload high uploaded e VR upload. No, we already do that. High uploadity. That's that's exactly high what you say after taking a big puff of something. Yeah. Ooh, high uploadity. Wow. Yeah. Chili for dinner. Oh yeah. I I don't know. What what do you I got there, Heaney? On a Kazi's comment here. Are we watching Ian start to question neoliberalism? Yes. Is the answer <laughs> that I don't even know what neoliberalism is. I it's don't, a system don't inform me. It's amazing don't, I don't care. We don't have people, a whole... We, I gotta people go. People in communism knew that they were living under something <laughs> called communism. People living in neoliberalism, like all of us, have no idea that what we're living under is called neoliberalism. If anyone's curious Wait, what that he, word means, what? it's the current political Wait. system of the entire West. Yes. So <laughs> Ian is some sort of anarcho-emergentist of some sort. I don't oh my know gosh. What going like, we're gonna, we, this is, you know, two years. <laughs> we will be having discussions over the benefits of like... Chinese governance of VR and AR versus American governance of VR and AR. And what are the pros and cons of all those things? Yeah. Ugh. But am I going to have to sit here and have that conversation while I've got. Like, animate. Yeah. Wait, I am an animator. You got a dab. Oh, in the it's already happening, and... Ian. Oh, it's already happening. Okay. Yeah. Let's wrap this up before we get deeper down into the, the internet series of tubes. We're already slip sliding away. Anyway, we've got our live chat in uh, on the YouTubes. And thank you all very much because I love these conversations. I love the fact that we're able to do this live. It looks like Heaney has one more comment before I wrap this up. What is that? Yeah, the last thing we should say about Magic Leap is that 
while Magic Leap 1 used an NVIDIA chip, Magic Leap 2 will almost certainly use an AMD chip because just in November, they announced a partnership with AMD. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because this will be AMD's foot into the VR, AR industry. This will be the first time that their chips use. We have Qualcomm chips used in most VR headsets. We have an Intel chip in one of the HoloLens. We have an NVIDIA chip in Magic Leap 1. But now we're going to have AMD jump into the realm as a supplier for Magic Leap 2. Okay, no no pressure then. No pressure. But AMD... I'm waiting on my elephant. So now it's up to you. It's all, if we could do like a zoom in on just my head, it's all up to you, AMD. You're our only hope. Put a little elephant on my hands. Do it. And if you don't, we'll always remember you're the ones that didn't do it. This is a new show. Yeah, this is a new show. And I've forgotten what we're talking about to all of our commenters out there. I don't know. Wait. This is a new show? I thought we were just here to in, inform and entertain. Maybe. I guess that's... Maybe you're, maybe you're here to entertain. I'm here to inform. I don't know. You're the one with the avatar with... It looks like it should be holding a lollipop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so let's try to wrap this up. This Penguin doesn't right. get your elephant reference, but you got to point it out to what you're saying. You gotta write. You gotta explain the joke. I'm okay. Sorry. So do do yourself a favor. Go on. Go to www.google.com and search for elephant and magic leap, and uh, that that should give you uh, everything that you need. Why do I feel like Heaney is like scrambling around trying to find a a picture of it? I was I was wondering if we have it in our archive. For anyone that doesn't yeah. know, these tablets let us search all of the images that we've ever used on uploadvr.com. So I was just curious to see if we actually have used that elephant image so I could cast it up. Yeah. See, Ian, Gee gets it. We're here to entertain and inform. So Gee says that you should be on board with it, right? If I'm if I feel that the audience out there needs to have an existential crisis I'm going to help them have their existential crisis because I think it feels like important. that's something you'd be good at helping yeah, somebody I I can do have it. an existential crisis. <laughs> say, yeah, I'm going through an existential crisis. I need other people to understand what I'm going through. James O'Loughlin has actually brought up the last piece of Magic Leap 2 news that I forgot to mention and is a great point to bring up actually is that whereas Magic Leap 1 used their own operating system, they've announced that Magic Leap 2 will be Android. And so why that matters is that developers can then, if this does support OpenXR, which we believe it will, developers can much more easily port their content between Magic Leap and between Meta and between Google's headset because they're all going to share that same Android foundation, which is a good thing for developers who have to put a lot of hard work in to support other platforms otherwise. Hey, do you think, since I haven't said this in a while, do you think since the, the Magic Leap 1, the ML1, did not let me use my glasses, are we going, because I am a bespectacled individual, as is my avatar, do we think that Magic Leap 2, in maybe one of their 18-plus sensors, will see that I have glasses on and will allow me to use that? Do you th- I'm going to say probably not. Who knows? Okay. Is that it? All right. Good stuff. All right. Let's end this now. So just a few things before we go. Actually, Ian, do you, do you have any final words of wisdom for the uh, audience? I'm good. I'm good. I've done, good? I've done enough damage 
this round. Uh, I'm okay. We all agree with you, I think. Yeah. Heaney, last words of wisdom? No, I was just going to answer Anakazi's question. It was a variant of Android before, but it was so different and they replaced so much that it wasn't directly content compatible. So as far as I know, LuminOS, the open question I've seen people discuss is there's a high possibility that all of Magic Leap 1's content won't actually work immediately on Magic Leap 2. It does sound like, from what they're saying, this is a full OS change from LuminOS to Android. That's pretty on brand. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I see. I love the fact that as we're ending the show, there's all of a sudden all this cool stuff. And that's great. We'll leave you wanting more. Waiting excitedly for next week's episode. But while you're waiting for next week's episode, you should go check out UploadVR.com with for all the latest news, reviews, comments, interviews, videos. Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, like, subscribe, smash that bell, share it with your friends, tweet us and Facebook us. And, and go find us out in all of the different verses. Upload verse. I don't know. We're going to have to start working on that. Somebody said up verse. And I'm like, nah, I, don't, I don't know. We'll come up with something. Like Maybe we should have upload lands in Horizon and Neos and Sansar. Well, it's too late for Sansar. Most of them. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Also, if you didn't catch the beginning of the show, go back and watch it because who day? Who day? Go Bengals. Yes, Super Bowl. Woohoo. All right. Everyone, thank you very much for watching. We'll see you in the future. So long. Go Bengals. Bye bye.